broadcast. This is your emergency broadcast system. You are listening to the hashtag This with the Beer podcast. Business that you never heard before. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hit business podcast, hashtag biz with the beard. This is business as you've never heard before. Gentlemen, start your engines. It's going to be a bumpy fucking ride. I am your host, the man who thinks a bad day with a beard is better than a good day without one. I am the beard, Kirby Smith. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And joining me today is, and buckle up for this one, folks, a top 40 female keynote speaker for 2020. She is an amazing TED speaker. As a chief revenue officer in media, she was a glass ceiling award winner, named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017, and Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. Her book, Confidence Creator, shot the number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list the first week it debuted. She is the CEO of the company Boss in Heels. Her work has been featured in USA Today, CNN, Forbes, Fast Company, and Business News Daily. Most recently, she has been added as a guest professor at Harvard. She has one of the top 100 business podcasts called Creating Confidence, where on her very first episode, her guest was none other than the Gary V. Gary V has described his experience with her as amazing and complimented her ability to push him to go deeper. She goes by my favorite name for a female, Heather Monahan. Welcome and thank you for coming on. Hashtag biz with the beard podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, love this. So Heather, I'm just gonna start by saying, what the hell? Gary V, your first episode? I mean, come on. <laughs> you give new meaning to go big or go home. I, I don't know if I'm impressed, astonished, or I don't know, quite frankly, a little jealous. So tell me how the hell you pulled that off. And uh what was your plan B if you said no? Yeah, well, there was no plan B. I knew that if I I was going to launch a podcast, you know, there's so many out there that you have to separate yourself. And so for me, I spent 20 years in media and advertising. In order to cut through clutter, you've got to be doing something different. And I knew the number one guest in the country for a podcast was him. So I had, and I tell this whole story in my first episode of my podcast, but I had been messaging you know, reaching out to him on DMs for a couple of years. And occasionally I'd get a response, but never anything concrete. And so I took a Google alert out on his name. And when one morning I woke up, there was, he was launching a new wine company. I Googled the wine company and the wine company had a partner. And so I Googled the partner and I figured it's going to be easier to get to the partner than to Gary. And so I went to the partner and I reached him immediately on LinkedIn. I said, Hey, I have experience in the wine business and 20 years in marketing and advertising. I can help you launch this thing. Do you want to jump on a quick call and I'll share a couple ideas with you? So we got on a call. I shared some helpful ideas with him on how he could really launch his wine business with a bang. And at the end of the call, he said, hey, 
if I could ever do anything to help you, let me know. I really appreciate your help. And I said, sure. Um, can you help me to land Gary as a guest on my podcast? Wow. So there's some great points there, right? One is you, a couple of years it took, right? It wasn't just like, hey, I called him up and this happened. Um, right. You followed him. You found an opportunity to create some value for him and his partner, right? And you reached out and offered that value. And in return, Gary says, yeah, I'll come do your show. So that, that's, that's an amazing story. I don't think people really get that. They think a lot of times that, you know, things come easy to people, but it's a lot of work and that's exactly what you put into it. That's, that's amazing. Absolutely. So let me shift gears here a little bit. I have a, a, a new segment on my show that's called don't spam me, bro, but I'm not really going to, you know, it's where, where I go into and I read spammy emails and what have you, uh, or LinkedIn messages that are just quite salesy. And, um, I'm not going to actually read one of those off today, but I just want to kind of ask you, do you get a lot of spammy sales emails on LinkedIn and what have you? Yeah, I actually did a post about this yesterday because I really so many people want to be a guest on my podcast. So many people want me to post about them to help them because, you know, they're struggling or so many people mm. want, you know, a free coaching call. I, I just people ask for everything under the sun and, you know, bring zero value. So I actually did a post about, about this yesterday that if you want something. You need to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. That's, you know, that's what's most critical. So I've actually had people reach out to me that send me screenshots of five-star reviews with really thoughtful reviews of my podcast showing me, hey, I'm a huge fan of your show. I support you and I support your show. I left a review for you today on Apple Podcasts. Your show means the world to me. That's if there's great. ever a chance that I could speak to you about why I could add value to your audience. It would mean the world to me. And those are the people that I'm, I'm like, you know what? That person went out of their way to support me and actually was thoughtful and cared. Those are the phone calls that I take, right? I don't take yes. the ones where someone says, Hey, Heather, I run a billion dollar business and I'm <laughs> an expert because of ABC and D would love to be a guest on your show. I don't care if I wanted you, I would have been seeking you out already. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So what's the worst sales pitch you ever got by email? And don't say it's from some bearded guy asking to be on his podcast. If so, we'll just move on to the next question. But what is the worst one you've ever got? I, don't, I mean, I get so many. I don't even read them anymore. I, you know, I just, I just delete. I, it's overwhelming the, the blatant disregard. People, someone reached out to me yesterday, or was it today, saying, so in an effort to support local businesses, the least you could do is support basically Ouch. berating me when hey, I'm a small local business, right? right? I'm like, wait a minute, who are you? Say It was so disconnected from reality. The person did zero research to even understand that I own my own small business. Yes. And it was just, it was so bizarre oh. to me that someone would send, I just, you know, I block the person immediately. Well, and it's amazing. I think with the pandemic that's going on, it's gotten a lot worse. I mean, every day, I've gotten so many, hey, connect with me. And then it's right into the sales pitch. And I'm just like, what the heck? I don't even know you. And you're, you're pitching me. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, the, like you said, there's no thought or research that's done in, into any of it. And sometimes I get pitches for the same things that I do. And I'm like, did you right. even look at my profile? Did you either, you know, go to my website? I mean, come on, people, put a little thought into it. But yeah, to berate you like that—that's that's unbelievable. So yeah, you just remind me of something. Another one that I hate that I think is so ridiculous is someone 
will message you and say, hey, what is it that you do? Tell me what you do. When when you're on LinkedIn and your profile is right there right. Or, or Google is, you know, a fingertip away. Just like, oh, yeah, let me stop what the hell I'm doing right now to tell you that right. shit, right? You know, come like, on. Right. <laughs> so, so, okay, so what would, you rec what would you recommend to someone who utilizes digital marketing techniques poorly and how to shift gears to creating more value? Well, you know, again, you want to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. So if there's someone that I'm trying to get to, this is a great example. I was speaking for the um, uh, Meeting Planner Expo in October, which is a huge event, and you know, Damon, John, all these amazing speakers, mm -hmm. and I was on the lineup with them. So after I spoke, I kept my computer open for the rest of the day so that I could see who was speaking. And when I had a minute, I'd you know, jump in and just check out the, um, the event. And I ended up seeing this guy who I'd never heard of before, Mario Armstrong, didn't know him. And he was so captivating, I stayed and watched his entire presentation. So at the end, I thought to myself, oh, I want to get that guy on my podcast. The first thing that I did was I Googled him after I um, watched his entire presentation. I, I left a review and then i also commented in the chat feed about how great he was tagged him in it and then i googled him to research a little bit more about what he did saw his show you know figured right. out what was important to him and then i dm'd him on social media just telling him what an impact his keynote had on me and why it was so valuable and you know why i thought he was so powerful and let him know hey i have this podcast and I'd really like to promote you. I'll promote you on social media. I'll promote you on, you know, this way, that way, the other way. And that if I can just get 40 minutes of your time, you know, over the next month or two, it would mean the world to me and to my right. listeners and I'll help support you any way I can. So immediately he replies back, oh my gosh, thanks so much. You know, I'm booked up solid for the next month, but let's look at December and let's get something on the books. And, and he was so thoughtful and, you know, it was very well received, but it just reminds me that, there's always a way to get to anyone. It's just doing the work, putting the time right. in, that's you know, it. and keeping it real. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, everyone has to realize, again, it's social media is to connect, interact, and create value. That's how you sell. And anything else, I mean, yeah, I guess it works. You sit there and spam a thousand people a day, you're eventually going to get something. But, man, I, I couldn't do that. That's just burnout. And I think that's just a poor, poor, poor attempt to create value because there is no value to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there, someone who spams people is going to have any success. Yeah. So your brand of building confidence it's is rather new and has a story behind it, and many of your fans know the story already. So I'm not going to ask you to have to retell it. Um, but what draws me to your story is it's a story that many people experience where they walk into the boss's office and they're fired. I mean, I've been there. I had close to 20 years. My story, I'll just tell you my story. I had close to 20 years of being promoted and moving up the corporate ladder. I was a CFO and chief operating officer of an eight-figure international company, and then boom, it was all gone. So take me to the seconds before the meeting, and I know there's a long drive before the meeting as well, but seconds before the meeting as you were walking to your superior's office, and what was going through your head? I mean, did you see this coming? Did you know it was going to happen? I mean, just to give a little bit of context here, I'd worked for the same company for 14 years, for the same CEO for 14 years. I'd been promoted three times. I was the chief revenue officer. Right. During my tenure, I had more than doubled the company's revenues to in excess of 200 million annually. So I'd done a really, and I'd just a couple of weeks earlier been named one of the most influential women in radio. 
So to say that I had done a good job was an understatement. And, you know, I felt very confident in my workability. However, the entire time I had worked there, the CFO had always been my arch nemesis. She'd always tried to put me down, give me disparaging looks, not respond to my emails, get in my way any way she could. She was very intimidated by me. And I, I used to just think to myself, whatever, this lady is not in my lane. She's on the financial spreadsheet side of the business. I'm out in the real world, you know, operation side of right. this business responsible for revenue. I'm just going to ignore her. And then the CEO that I worked for became ill. He ended up promoting his daughter, which was the CFO. So that was very, that came out of left field. You know, when that mm -hmm. happened, I was in shock, but it also taught me a lesson, which I am aware of now, which is when you're in corporate America, you are never safe. Any company can yep. come in tomorrow and acquire you. Any new leadership change can happen and the entire team is wiped out. The industry, you know, could change and start declining and they need to a headcount that needs to be cut. Until you work for yourself, you are never safe. And I just never thought of it that way because I always thought if you do a great job, you know, yep. of course you're always gonna have a spot. But anyhow, That's so not she the got case. No, that wasn't the case. And she got promoted and you know, in, in no time at all, she fired me and so I didn't really, I didn't really see it coming. I mean, I knew she always hated me and if she had her way, she probably would, but I, I also couldn't fathom that she would do it. But you know, was listen it? here at the end of the day, she did do it and it ended up being a, a blessing for me to start my right. own company. Well, uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, was it like a, uh, a long period between her promotion? I mean, was there a lot of stuff that happened in between or was her promotion happened and then boom, within weeks, you know, a month firing happened? Well, she had been the interim CEO, but it wasn't made official and she couldn't uh, fire me until, until it was made it was, official. So yeah. she had about a year run where she was just making my life a living hell any way that she could. And when it became official, it was it was within 30 days that she called me and, and fired me. <laughs> she wanted me to close a big um, seven-figure deal before. And I didn't know that. Now that I look back, I understand what she was waiting for. But, you know, I didn't see it coming. And I'm still proud of myself. I got these huge deals done for the company and, you know, for the right. team. But in, in the end, yeah, I there was definitely she had a plan the entire time. It was I just wasn't in on it. <laughs> so what, what was your initial reaction? I mean, how did you mentally and physically respond? at that moment yeah. and over the next few weeks or months? It's, well, in that moment, she tried to force me to sign a non-disparaging agreement, which essentially protects any of the key employees in the company and any information that you can share about the company. It's a gag clause. And she and I, anytime that people were terminated from the company, this was the protocol, you know, you would ask them to sign one of these waivers, um, which is right. incredibly binding and ridiculous and one-sided, but you get a big check, basically a parting gift to say, okay, you're fired, but we're going to give you this sum of money, but you have to sign the paper. So I knew once I saw sitting in front of her, there was two pieces of paper that that's what she was going to ask me. And she was in a great mood. She was super excited. And <laughs> I was in shock. Was that like, hey, she just, something's going on. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it was just one of those moments that you're in it, and I'm crystal clear, and I'm 46 years old. There's zero emotion in business, so I've trained mm -hmm. myself over the years to, you know, I had a complete poker face on. She did not. She was highly emotional. She was so excited, and that's when I knew that she was weak, and she passed these two papers to me. I looked at both of them, and I said, I didn't write either one of these memos. I'm not signing either one, and if you have nothing else to say to me, I'm leaving. And she never nice. expected me to do that. She definitely thought as a single mother that I would take the check and, you know, be needy. But 
this woman had bullied me far too long. And this was my chance to basically say, you know what, I'm done with you. And I'm going to pick me in this situation. I'm not picking a paycheck and I'm not going to, you know, sign some agreement that allows you to control me. And I walked out of there and I took all of the power out of that room and out of that lady. In that moment, I thought she was going to cry. And really? I nice. got in my car and then, you know, I was devastated um, yeah. really for 24 hours. And then I realized no one knew I had been fired. And so then I, I could tell her strategy was to keep it a secret because no no one who's a new CEO wants the press that you got rid of the chief revenue officer position because that's indicative of how you value revenue. Oh, yep. so, so I I decided, um, wow, she's trying to keep this under wraps and no one can help you if they don't know you're in trouble. So I posted and that post went viral on LinkedIn and just basically said, after 14 years, continuous advancement and you know excellence, I have just been fired. My position has been eliminated. If I've ever done anything to help you, I'd love to hear from you today. And um, that post was reshared thousands of times, and I had wow. so many opportunities come to me um, from that message. It was it was great. That's awesome. So for me, I loved my job. You know, I, I was like you did, and I had an employee who worked there who was trying to sabotage me and set me up for years. And I was told basically I had to coexist, which took just like a major toll on my confidence. I mean, for the first time ever, you know. And I and I believe it, it actually led to my demise uh, with that employer because I turned a blind eye to it, right? And you discuss this relationship, but you take it a little bit more controversial angle. And I and I watched this, and I think I believe it was a TED talk that you did, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's about the, the Me Too movement, where you believe it's taken a misstep, kind of saying, while this movement's done a great job of calling out men's behavior and the unconscious bias women face in the workplace from men. But it needs to be, take on a bigger problem that women face. And this is, and I'm going to quote you, the most cold, calculating, unexpected villain a woman will ever come face-to-face -face with at work is another woman. Tell Jeez. me. <laughs> tell me how your approach or how you know my approach or other you know, approaches that women face when they face this villain, how it's wrong. And how, do, you know, how do we get out of this and how does Heather approach this? Well, the most important thing is to shine a light on it. No one talks about it. And I have had, since I gave that talk, so many people have reached out to me saying, thank you. Thank you for, it's the ugly elephant in the room. Nobody wants to acknowledge because for whatever reason, it became, you know, appropriate or pop culture or trending to call out men, but still no one wanted to call out the women. And I just, Listen, as a woman in business coming up, you know, years ago, 20 years ago, you knew that there might be men out there that would treat you inappropriately or or in a way you almost right. looked for it. You were aware of it. But I no one had ever told me that women might try to set me up. And so my whole mission with that talk was to shine a light on that elephant in the room that nobody's talking about, because the more we start acknowledging it the sooner those villains will disappear because they do not want to be called out. Most of those women are the ones that sit on these fake boards of I'm a woman advocate and I'll pose for this picture pretending I support women. Those are the ones that are secretly, you know, sabotaging yeah. and setting up other women. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, by the way, I love that TED talk. It caught my eye and I watched that and I was like, wow, that's a pretty bold statement, but it was, it's an amazing TED talk, TED talk and I kind of want to go down that route if that's okay. Um, sure. 
so your approach to handle or take action on insecurities was basically to fall back or leverage what you know. And uh, that was to use the same core values in marketing. And this is what I think is great about the talk, right? And that's basically to elicit consumer confidence in products or service enough to purchase it. Mm-hmm. How and or when did you come up with the idea to use the same approach to instilling confidence in yourself? Because I, when I, when I heard you say this, I thought, wow, that's a, I love that approach. This is what she does. She does it well. And she's now instilling this into her mindset. And, you know, when did you come up with this? I, I don't even remember. It was just one day I was in my car driving to a meeting. I, I live in Miami and my headquarters back then was in Naples. So I was always driving back and forth to Naples. It's a three hour long ride. So that's the time when I would think. And I just remember one day during this difficult time that last year with that employer, you know, not feeling my best, not feeling good about things and mm-hmm. racking my brain. What am I going to do to change this? What can I do to fix this? And I had just had a friend call me and say, Heather, come on. You can get anyone to like you. You can get anyone to win you over. Just win the woman over. And I remember thinking, I don't want to win her over. She's not a nice person, right? This is like, it was was this epiphany moment I had when I was driving. I said, but you know what? I need to win myself back over again because that's that's what I've lost here. And then I thought, how do you do that, right? I I was just driving and thinking to myself, how do I do that? I'm clear I don't want to win this lady over but I need to get back to me and I don't know how to do it. And then right then it popped in my head, frequency sells. This is what I preach to my entire team all the time to my clients. You know, I knew that recipe for success for any ad campaign in this noisy, you know, world Mm -hmm. that we live in. It was my job to make sure advertisers could have a voice and have success and convert whatever opportunity they were looking for. And I thought, why don't I just apply that same methodology to work for myself? And it it seems so obvious, but I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I never thought about this <laughs> or anybody else hadn't thought about it. So um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was kind of an epiphany that I had while I was driving. And I immediately put it to work for me and, and created a 30-day plan to create confidence within myself. You know, I created a vision of what I wanted to look like at the end. And of right. course, it it it... it ironically ended up coinciding with when I got fired, but it, um, it all worked out in the end. So did you have like a, a coach or a mentor during this time? Did you talk it over with them or do you have one now or? No, when I, when I was younger, I definitely had, um, different mentors, but you know, I, I guess it's funny. You brought up Gary B. He's a mentor in an mm-hmm. interesting way. I went on his show in November of last year and right when we were wrapping up the show, he said to me, Hi, I want to help you. He said, here's something I want you to do. He said, you need to go all in on LinkedIn. And I said, I already post on LinkedIn. I have a presence on LinkedIn. And he said, no, no, (laughs) I want you to go 15 times bigger than what you're doing now. He said, I want you posting anywhere from 10 to 15 times a day. And anyways, bottom line is this. I took his advice and I put it into action immediately. And he, I mean, it's what he gave me, that gift that day that I luckily ran with has helped me go from I had 3 million views on my profile last year this year I have 16 million so far and that was all a result of what he taught me and challenged me to do so to me that's a mentor right somebody that's that gives my, yeah. you a good a good piece of advice that is something actionable that you can implement in your life if you choose to that is going to pay dividends for you yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, people ask me all the time, like, oh, do you use a coach? Do you use a mentor? Because I, I do coaching and uh, consulting. And I said, well, yeah, I, I do have one. Uh, but I said, you know, my podcast is my mentor. It, it gives me, you know, I get the opportunity 
uh, and you, you might feel the same way, to bring on some of the greatest people in the world at what they do and just talk to them and pick their brain and then share it with the world. But, you know, I constantly go back through my content and listen to these conversations. And I'm sure I'll go back to this one several times. Uh, but it, it's, it's a great mindset motivational for me and it, you know, to get great ideas and to get me out of funks that sometimes I get myself into. When you, when you did this and you started, okay, you left your job. Well, you know, you got, you got fired, which sucks. And you started this new career path. I mean, did you, and you're someone who builds confidence, right? For a living. That's, that's your brand. Did you ever experience imposter syndrome? Yeah, I really did around writing a book. I had never seen myself. I wasn't an English major or a literary person. I didn't read a lot of books that, you know, I didn't see myself that way. And I remember thinking, like, is it even legal? Like, can I do, am I approved? <laughs> you know, how, what does it take to write a book? And I, I just had no idea. So I questioned, you know, is this something I, I can really do? And, you know, thank goodness I was able to go to Google and research it and find out that plenty of people who aren't literary people have, have written books. So, yeah, that was a, a tough moment trying to figure out if that was even an option for me. So how would you get over it? I mean, what made you say, you know, I'm doing this? Did someone say, you need to do this? Yeah, I went on the Elvis Duran show um, a couple of months after I got fired. And halfway through the interview, he looked at me and said, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book. And I said, <laughs> well, obviously, but I wasn't, you know. But in right. that moment, he really transferred confidence that I should be doing it. And once I had that, that was the push I needed that I Googled, how do you write a book? And it's just basically said, you have to be disciplined and sit and write. And I was fired. So I said, I can go do that right now. And, and I went home and that next day I sat in front of my computer and I started writing. And four months later I had a book. You know, you're, you're going down a theme here. I wasn't going to bring up, but it seems to me, and I think a lot of people should take this type of advice, but you surround yourself with a lot of successful people that help motivate you and push you. Gary V, um, the, the show you were just on, right? How important do you think that really is to surround yourself with positive people, with successful people to do what you want to do or get to and remove toxic people from your life, even, whether, oh, yeah. even, if, it, even if it's family? Yeah, I call it fire your villains. The first thing you have to do is fire the negativity from your life, cut them out. But the second thing is then fill it with people who, are, who aren't going to just cheer you on, but stretch you. And I have a friend that is a billionaire. And during this you know, crazy past couple of years, anytime I felt really scared, like, oh, I'm going to launch a podcast or I'm going to mm -hmm. do a book or I'm going to do, you know, pitch myself to HarperCollins leadership for a book. Who am I kidding? Anytime I would doubt myself or, you know, become a speaker, I'd call him and say, what do you think about this business model? And he'd always be like, yeah, whatever. Of course, go for that. Are you kidding? <laughs> it was such a joke to him because he's so far ahead yep. of me that he was like, oh my gosh, that's a no brainer. Of course you should do that. Now, do you have anything else to say? Come on, goodbye. Like get back to work. <laughs> and it was when you're around people like that, that are, you know, so positive that you should be doing those things. It really pushes you and encourages you that, oh my gosh, if this person is that far ahead of me from a success and business standpoint, then you know what? I should probably, I should probably listen to them. And the key I tell people is don't, ask people who haven't been where you're attempting to go for advice. That's the problem most people get into. 
they'll say to their, you know, Joe Schmo friend next door who is watching right. Netflix all weekend and doesn't, you know, and works for the man in corporate America. Hey, do you think I should write a book? He's going to say, no, are you crazy? You'll waste your time and no one sells books. And, you know, those mm -hmm. people have their own self-limiting beliefs. They're in their situation for a reason. You thank them for their self-limiting beliefs, hand them right back to them and get really smart about who you do ask advice for and yeah. from. And I, I think it's really tough because sometimes, especially when it's family members, right, uh, or people who are close to you or, you know, integrated in your life to say, I'm done because they don't want the reaction. But the reality is once you do that, it's going to you're going to exude so much confidence and just removing those people. And I've started doing that re recently. And I just, you know, just say, you know, basically Gary says, well, what the F? I don't really care. Um, this is the way it's going to be. It has to be. You know, we're only on this you know planet for a short amount of time and we never know when our time is to check out. So why waste it, you know, second guessing yourself or not taking full advantage of the gift that we've been given. But I, you know, I want to get back into your, your five step plan or to building confidence. I want to say it's really plan, but your, you know, your theory. And I know mindset's the foundation or the platform to instilling confidence. Um, and I think that's something you have to choose. You must choose. What is your basic fundamental like daily practice mindset routine that works for you? You know, I, it's so funny because the more you step into who you really are and step into purpose-led and purpose-driven work, in my my humble opinion, my, just my life, mm -hmm. I back then I needed a very specific way that I operated. I was working with a toxic person that hated me that was constantly chipping away at my confidence. I was in a job that did not have purpose. It just created revenue. I was a shell of the person that I am now. My confidence was really low. I had to rely on a five-step plan each morning to get up and do this to help get me out of right. that rut. But once you're in a situation, which I am fortunate enough now to be in where I do purpose-driven work every single day, I'm helping people and creating value and getting paid for it and feeling really good about it. Mm -hmm. Right before we got on, I just got a note on LinkedIn, some 50 year old man that was pushed out of his C-suite position was just saying to me that I'm saving him and giving him the courage to go on. I get these beautiful notes That's all the time that uh, just makes you cry, right? It's like you're, yeah. oh my gosh, this is your helping people. I don't even know who this man is. And he just poured his life story onto my DM. And I feel so grateful for that to be making a difference in the world at scale is so humbling and crazy. And it's been really hard along the way. Obviously, none of this is easy. I'm three years in and, and this week I turned my book into HarperCollins leadership. I'd never written a book for a publishing house before. I went 8,000 words over, which was a complete <laughs> debacle. And I didn't understand that. And, you know, every day I'm learning and I'm making mistakes and I'm trying to figure out, you know, where my time is best spent. None of it is easy. But when you get to this place, I don't have to wake up anymore and say, I must do my mantras today right. because I'm living it. And when you start showing up and really living it and you fired the villains and you've done the work, it becomes just much more being you. Yeah. That's great. Well, powerful messaging is part of this, right? And I know, you know, obviously you don't have to do this, but you know, people that do need to do this, um, in the powerful I've message. done it. Here's the thing. I've done it. Yeah. So I, what I did was I, I basically, I reverted back to what works in sales and marketing, um, globally. And that's 
number one, you have to get really clear messaging and get clear with what your message is, right? To own it, whatever it is. And for me, back at that time, it was, I am confident. I am powerful. I am smart. I am creative, whatever it was. So I would own these mantras that I was basically running an ad campaign for myself. Right. And so then I, here's the a really important piece is frequency sells. So you can have powerful messaging, but if you only see it one time a day, you're not going to sell hamburgers for McDonald's. If you want to sell hamburgers for McDonald's, you've got to have powerful messaging, which elicits emotion from people to get them to take action. And you need to do it multiple times a day. So I would take that powerful messaging. I would do it at least seven times a day. That's the key number, um, frequency sells. And then in order to elicit emotion um, from myself, and this is a way that advertisers do it, is you want a jingle or a music bed, some kind of hook so that when you hear that sound, it's going to elicit the memory in the individual. So I picked Kendrick Lamar, I Love Myself. And so I would play that song while listening to my mantras, reading my mantras and owning and claiming my mantras, which I was my powerful messaging. Right. And then well, can I ask you look- something about that? Sure. So when you when you talk about the jingle, um, or is, that, or is that a good way to put it? But mm-hmm. how does someone pick that? And can it change over time? I mean... Of course, this is, there's no rules. It's your ad campaign, right? Right. So it's it's whatever works for you. And if you want to change the ad campaign, if I were to do an ad campaign now for myself, I would do it totally differently than I did back three years ago. Really? Okay. So yeah. it, 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 it should it, evolve. The same way. Do you think McDonald's runs the same ad today no. they ran three years ago? No. So well, that brings another point, not. right? So with your messaging, how does someone like – you know, pick the right message without it becoming like white noise, right? That that's like an advertising challenge. You know, how does how you know how do they do that? Where that it doesn't become you know where it's not effective. Well, if it's not effective, then that's the signal you need to change and transition, and that's really important. Right. You know, what's funny is I've learned during the pandemic, trust and safety became paramount to people, and that from a messaging standpoint, and that wasn't as relevant in 2019. Mm-hmm. So all of my right. messaging had to go around 100% money back guarantee and testimonials to my work, developing trust and safety with the audience. So this is just, you know, we're talking right now, marketing 101, forget the marketing you do for yourself, but it's constantly analyzing what's happening in the environment and ecosystem out there, what's resonating, what's working, looking at the data, data does not lie and analyze that data. Absolutely. So, and there's two more steps, right? The call to action and picking a visual, right? So tell me about the, the call to action. What does this mean and how does it relate to like building confidence? So in marketing, at sales and marketing, you need to look for a conversion mechanism. So for McDonald's, it's the call to action to come in between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. to get um, two burgers for $2, right? right. So that's yep. that's their, their call to action. For me, my call to action was I choose to see fear as a green light that means go and go faster. Anytime that I was going to feel scared, I would see a green light in my mind and go. And so that became my call to action. Mm. And let me tell you, it was super hard. It's still hard sometimes now, but the more you do anything, the more it becomes habit. And so the more you step into fear, the more it starts becoming normal. Yeah. So picking a visual, the last step, you know, what should someone pick and what shouldn't someone pick as a visual? I was on a coaching call yesterday with a woman who's having, ever since the pandemic hit, she's having a really hard time with anxiety, being on Zoom, speaking to people, even just doing one-on-one meetings with people. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the things I asked her, they said, have you ever in your life spoken at anything in person or on Zoom or whatever, it doesn't matter where you actually felt confident? She said, oh yeah, before the pandemic. And I said, okay, give me an example. She said, when I was in law school, I said, do you have a picture of you in law school? She said, yeah. I said, take the best one that you have where you look your most powerful and put that picture everywhere near your Zoom when you're about to go do your Zoom meetings to remember you are that woman. You are that person, right? And while you might not be feeling it today, you felt it before, which means you can feel it again. That's awesome. I love that. I'm I'm gonna actually do that. What was your what was what was your visual? Well, you already know what mine was because I want you to say it. (laughs) But I'm happy to share it with you. Yeah. So back when I was in corporate America, I ran um, a media company and I had offices all around the country. One of the challenges as a single mom that I ran into is I traveling every single week is a grind. I mean, after 14 years of it, right? So Mm -hmm. I started thinking to myself, there's got to be a better way. How can I be everywhere in the country, but not get on a plane? And that's hard, right? One of the ways is you want to have an advocate for you on site that you know you trust, that they're a champion of what your initiatives are, and and they're being like a mini you there. That's a, a key part. Another way is frequent you know, messaging, maybe in Zoom calls, maybe it's whatever, right? So there's uh, you leaving reminders in people's offices, uh, uh, pictures of you and them together, just getting people thinking about you. But I thought, you know what, that's not enough and it's not creative enough. So what I ended up doing was I created a life-size cutout of me, which is, <laughs> it's cardboard. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like the, there's fat heads, you know, yeah. in the NBA that people use. So it's like that, but it's, a, it's literally, it stands up right next to me at the same size as me. And I found a company that I sent a picture of me standing up in and I'm in the picture. I'm super confident, megawatt smile. And I had that cut out shipped to people with different notes on it. That and, is awesome. Oh my gosh. People <laughs> will never forget that. And it never gets old. So when I first started doing it, gosh, it was probably like eight years ago. The first time I did it, I had a picture of me in this blue dress, whatever. Like the new one, I've, I've changed it so many times. My new That's... one now is me in a red dress. Like, but it's so <laughs> funny. And people will say, I haven't gotten a cutout in a long time. Like, yeah. what's going on? When do but I get the green me, dress, the black dress, right? <laughs> right. Everyone's like, what's happening here, Heather? And I still use it to this day. I wanted to go on the Steve Harvey show last year. Um, and I wasn't hearing back from the producer. So I overnighted him a life-size cutout. And I said, well, it may be fun to hang out with my cutout. It's way more fun when I'm there in person. <laughs> when are we making this thing happen? And that same day, I got a phone call back. So the cutout works. But what I used it for in regards to the messaging component and the ad campaign was that is a that picture represents to me a, a very confident yeah. version of myself in that day and in that time. I was really stepping into my power and owning it. And that's how I wanted to feel and look awesome. again. And that's, and that's well, the, the image I used. Man, I cannot think of anything more confident than sending a life-size poster or cutout of yourself to everybody. That is confidence. That's awesome. I love it. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so without giving away the secret sauce, what is the secret to building confidence and actually executing it? Is there anything additional to that? I mean, you kind of said you you don't really have that daily routine anymore, but you know what is the secret sauce to executing that? Well, listen, everyone has different challenges, but there are some keys to look for. One, if you have a villain in your life, you're never really going to be confident with that person. There, you've got to fire your villains. It's critical. 
seeing fear as a green light and stepping into it is something that will teach you to grow your confidence on the daily having really powerful mantras about how you want yourself to be and how you will be and speaking and manifesting it into the future is key making sure you're investing in yourself. I remember when I first had my son, I wouldn't want to get a babysitter. I felt guilty and this and that. And and slowly over time, I learned if I want to be the best version of myself and I want my son to be the best version of him, I need to lead that way. I need to hire a babysitter. I need to go to the gym. And I started shifting away from feeling guilty to starting to feel powerful and leading by example. So invest in you and start taking care of you first. That's another great piece of advice. I mean, there's, listen, there's 9 million different options I give in my book, Confidence Creator, and then 9 million more that I have in my second book that's coming out next year. But the key is it's really getting to know you. Listen to your voice, what matters to you. If you love painting, but you're an accountant, you're never going to be that confident at work. Mm -hmm. Quit the job and find a way to become a painter, right? Like it's about getting to who you really are. If wearing ripped jeans and having purple hair is your jam, you've got to find a place that you can do that where you're accepted and not judged. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. You know, people say that to me all the time. You know, Kirby, you know, beard's not very professional. I says, so says who? I love my beard. And it's who I am. And it's yeah, you got to do you. I got to do me. And if you don't want to, if, if you're not going to accept me or hire me because I have a beard, if I give you the results, why does it matter? You know, if I improve you're the profit by a yeah, exactly. I don't want to work with you. Exactly. And you're never really going to change. You don't have the right mindset, not me. So, what does the future hold for Heather? And, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh my gosh, one can only imagine it's going to be crazy, I'm sure. But um... <laughs> I know, right? I have a new book coming out with HarperCollins Leadership that's coming out in 2021. I just turned it in, so I'm super excited What's about the name that. Of it? Well, it's a working title, but right now the okay. working title is called Leapfrogging Villains. Ah, I love so that. I, yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. Um, that's sort of one of my big things. I just started talking to a company about launching a, an online community, so that's something that people can will see that's coming. I'm staying with my podcast. I love doing my podcast. Mm -hmm. It's something that I'm super, super proud of. I Coaching is new to me. I just got into this space during the pandemic. Um, so I'm going to keep doing that. My speaking business is still a, a huge part of my business. And I'm just, I'm only doing virtual speeches right now, but I'm also excited to get back to doing on-site events in the future. I partnered with a speaking company and we're going to start doing some live virtual events together. And I'm really excited for, for 2021. And as always, I mean, I'm always in different meetings about TV shows about doing a movie about my, I mean, I am in so many You're crazy over, partnerships and meetings all the time that you just never know which one's going to come together next. Wow. Well, Heather, the time's come and believe it or not, we're, we're 45 minutes into this thing. Um, <laughs> we need to start wrapping this up, but I have to play a game with you and I apologize for not warning you in advance. However, you know, myself and my listeners want to get to know Heather more personally. So it's time to play. Let's get to know Heather. Are you up for this? And I'm, sure. what I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you ten questions rapidly, and you have to answer as fast as you can. So you let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. The clock is ticking, and as of now, we are keeping score. What's the weirdest thing you ever seen in someone's home? Oh my gosh, I went on a date with this guy one time, and he had a life-size painted portrait of him when you walk in the door. It was so <laughs> tacky. <laughs> Did you walk right back out or did you stay for a while? No, I wanted the guy to hire me. He thought I wanted to date him, but I wanted him to hire me, so I stayed. 
Oh, besides the hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast house, who's your celebrity crush? Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, who's my celebrity crush? Gosh, I I don't know. I have like married crushes, guys that I love that are married. You know that I'm just like I love them. Ed Milet and Jesse Itzler are my two. I love okay. I love them, love them. They both have awesome wives, but like people that I just look up to that I think are yeah. so amazing. That's cool. What's what's Heather's guilty pleasure? Um, Netflix and Chardonnay. Those are my two bugaboos. Nice. Those are bad. <laughs> well, that's when you get, except for when you get into Netflix and you just dive in there and you start binge watching, right? That's right. And then all of a sudden it's one in the morning and you're like, I gotta go to uh, bed. I know, right? And I didn't get anything done, but besides annoying bearded podcast hosts, what is Heather's pet peeve? Pete. Fake people. Oh, I loathe fake people. Be Give me real an example. or be, be gone. Well, of course, I think of my villain. She always would pretend she was perfect, always pretend she yeah. was smiling, always pretend she's everyone's advocate and cheerleader. But when she would walk out of the room, you know, she was cutting up um, pictures of me and stabbing it with knives. <laughs> Is that my ex wife? Are you sure you didn't work for my ex wife? No. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> uh oh. I might be in trouble on that one. <laughs> what cartoons do you still like to watch? None. I have a 13-year-old. We're out of that phase. We don't watch cartoons. No? Okay, cool. If you had a superpower, what would it be? I have many superpowers. I Truly, I swear to God, there is no... I mean, you know what's so funny is years ago when I was in corporate America, someone came up to me after a speech and said to me, holy cow, like you just changed my life. You understand how, like you, this ability that you have. And I thought, well, that's weird. No. And now fast forward all these years later and I speak for a living and I get to have that impact. Mm -hmm. I see that that is something unique and special about me and everyone has something unique and special about them. It's about just starting to accept that it is special and own it and rock it. Wow. That's that's the best answer I think I've ever had to that question. That's that's a great answer. And I know this is going to be a good question. Would you ever be on a reality TV show? I know the answer to that. And if so, which one? So, you know, what's funny is I, I was out pitching my show concept that I had was basically like Marie Kondo on um, Netflix. She does this. She goes into people's homes and she teaches them how to organize. My concept was that I'd be like the Marie Kondo for people who need to be competent or get to the next level in their life. I'd go into their life, work with them, teach them how, yeah. you know, how to, you know, make better decisions, choose a better profession, pitch themselves for the promotion, create the confidence they need to get the life they want. And you know, every time I was going in that meeting, people would say, okay, yeah, I get why you, but I don't really get, this doesn't sound exciting enough. What, how about be on the Miami housewives, you know, and it <laughs> oh. always went back to these kind of more, that was the antithesis of what I was going for. So I said no to those who right? knows if that was I the mean, right hell, decision you, or not, because you freaking hate fake people. You just said that's your biggest pet peeve. How in the hell could you do something like that? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, they try to encourage you. They say, well, if you want to change, you know, then go on the show uh, and be you. So, but anyways, it, it didn't work out because I just didn't believe from the limited mm -hmm. information I have that that would actually be something I'd be proud of in the end. So I, I have said no to reality TV shows. I, when I was younger, I was asked to be on um, The Bachelor. I said no to that. But I 100% would go on a reality TV show if it was the right premise or concept. Cool. Cool. I know these questions will be quick, so I apologize, but you know this is just really interesting. Tell me what your greatest, uh, who do you think the greatest band or musical artist is of all time? Gosh, I mean, I'm like a Thug Life rapper, so the first. Are you like, really? Pop, oh yeah, like Tupac pops into my mind. Oh my god. Jay Z pops into my mind. I mean, 
it's definitely got to be, you know, Biggie. I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> those, those are good ones. So you're talking about jingles, right, in your life and creating confidence. When I work out, that's where I go is like, you know, Tupac, Eminem. You know, Me Biggie, too. Right? And it's like, and if someone looks at me and goes, really, Kirby? I'm like, hey, man, it just, it just, I don't know, something about it gets me going. It works. It works. Yeah. yeah. So last question. What's the most useless talent you have? Gosh, how is any talent useless? Um, I think they're all super useful. I mean, I never really cooked in my life. I don't like doing it, but during this dumb pandemic, I became the Zoom school lunch lady for my child. <laughs> and I learned that I actually am a decent cook, even though I have no interest in doing it. All right. Well, hey, Heather, this has been one of the best shows, and you've been truly remarkable. Your story is inspirational, and... Uh... You provide a lot of valuable content today. We've done it quickly. Actually, you know, we're 50 minutes in already. I can't believe that. I appreciate you sharing the most interesting story and theories in business and life, and I truly appreciate your time and thrilled that you decided to do this with me today. We should do this again. I think it was very constructive. Um, if you're ever in the ATL, I would love to meet up with you and talk some more and maybe do some more collaboration together. But, you know, thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. So there you have it, friends. The beautiful, talented, successful, and highly confident Heather Monahan. You can get her, you reach her at her website at heathermonahan.com. Uh, email her at heather at heathermonahan.com. Her Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. She's everywhere, guys. Thank you again for coming on the hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast. Much love, success, and confidence to you going into 2021 and the rest of your life. Appreciate Thanks so it. much. Yeah. I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm, biz with the beard, then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. Don't forget, while you're on Anchor subscribing, if you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help support the show, all you have to do is hit listener support, and we could feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. As always, I'm grateful for all of our listeners who tune in all over the world on all the amazing podcast platforms out there, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and many more. But there you have it, friends, another show's in the books. But never fear, the beard will always be here. Until next show, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to the hashtag BizWithTheBeard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. 
So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.